you can be seated and get out your Thompson Chain Reference Study Bible. Amen. I've switched it up today, taking it back a few years. Amen. Get out your Bible and you can turn with me to Acts chapter 27. And we're going to read a particular story that I think, I hope you'll find interesting by the time that we're done. Amen. Acts chapter 27, this is also in your bulletin, verses 14, and we're going to read several here for just a minute. Starting with verse 14, it says this, But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind. Everybody say a wind. A tempestuous wind called Euroclite. Now, what Eurycliton is, that's actually, um, it comes from a Latin word, and they named a tempestuous wind that would come in. It was so constant, so often, that they gave this wind a name, and the name of the wind was Eurycliton. And it, was, it would blow over the Mediterranean and just be chaos when this strong wind would get to blowing. It's called Eurycliton. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, I like this verbiage here. It says, we let her drive. <laughs> oh, wow. In verse 16, and running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strike sail, and so were driven. So where we're at right now is they're in this boat, and this strong wind has come along, and it's so strong, they're not going to be able to use that sail to do it, so they just let her drive and let that boat go on the way that the wind was taking it. And uh, now they're trying to get it up onto this island, and they've got to use some helps. I'm assuming they're uh, referring to some rope or something under it to push that boat up. And uh, verse 18, And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. In other words, they threw some stuff away. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. They had no hope. But after long abstinence, after Paul had kept his mouth shut a long time, he stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. <coughs> For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. And they said, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. And, and this is so good. For I believe God. Amen that it shall be even as it was told to me. 
for I believe God. Amen. Amen. And so you can see the title in your bulletin this morning, The Voice in the Storm. The Voice in the Storm. There is always, and the last time I preached, I hit on this just a little bit. You can repent. You can speak in tongues so fluently in the Holy Ghost. You can be baptized in Jesus' name. You can live a holy life. And you can pay your tithes. You can give them the offering. You can do good. You can volunteer at the church and even teach Bible studies and do ministry. And still, you're going to run into a storm. Amen. There is not an advertisement on the front of this church that says if you'll come to church here and do what we teach and preach, that life's going to be perfect. That's right. That's not what we advertise. As a matter of fact, I don't want to just drive anybody away this morning, but if we read our Bible, it actually says that you're going to suffer persecution and there's going to be people that come against you That's right. for what you believe and how you live and what you do. And there's people in our Bible that were stoned. They were killed for what they did and what they believed. They lived a harder life than just the regular, everyday person. And I'm not telling you that this morning to, to drive you away or discourage you by any means. But what I am trying to express here today is every person, whether they live for God or not, is going to run into storms. The difference is the resources that we have living for God when we come to the storms. That's right. Amen. We've got a God that we can call on that we've made a relationship with before the storm ever came. That's right. Now the problem for some folks is a storm will come and they don't have a relationship with God prior to that to have a talk with Him and it be reasonable. Let me ask you this. You, you know these uh, fundraisers that kids do in school, right? Well, you know, the season comes around, it's getting ready, so y'all just saved up some extra money so you can buy some cookie dough here in a little bit. But um, you know at some point in the year you're going to get about 15 kids come up to your door or to you at some point asking you to, to help fundraise uh, for whatever it is, the band, the basketball team, whatever it is, and they're selling this. And isn't it so much easier sometimes to give that money to a kid that you personally know than it is to the other 15 that knock on your door? You know, you know this kid, you know, you've seen them play in the band, you see them playing playing basketball, you know where your money's going kind of here, right? And you know this person. And so when they come to you with the question of would you contribute to this, it's so much easier. It's, it's a lot like that with God. When a storm comes along and a person who has never once stopped to talk to God at all is now beating down his door for help. I'm not telling you that God won't help because he will yeah. if he chooses to do so. But I will tell you this. I really believe he's a whole lot more likely to and he'll have a whole lot more desire to answer your need if you've already had a relationship with him. You've already established it. 
You follow Amen. what I'm saying this morning? Amen. We've got a God we can call on in the storm. Yes, we do. Amen. It's, it's interesting how we relate storms to trials in our life. That's, it's a common analogy. On the southern coast of America, every year there's hurricanes that'll hit. And for those people that live down there, it's more than just a physical storm. It'll take away everything that they've built for their families. And so insurance down there is an absolute necessity for a lot of people. And it becomes more than just the physical storm we see. It's a literal storm in their life. Amen. And storms, this is what we... This is what we relate to trials. Last night, I took, me and Sister Kirsten took Brother Blake out for his birthday, which is just in a few days. We, we took him out and we went to what is called an escape room. Anybody ever heard, hear of that, an escape room? Well, if you don't know what that is, essentially what you do, there, there's a business does escape rooms and they've got four or five rooms that they have designed and they've decorated and it's all puzzles. And if there's a theme to it, and the idea is you go in this room and you're locked in. Now, you have trouble and you need to get out, they'll let you out, but it's a puzzle. And you've got to figure out how to get out of that room. And uh, Blake had never done it before. Sister Kirsten and I have done it three times before. And we're three for three. But last night, we became three for four. And we got in this room, and we thought at the start that it was just going to be us three. But uh, there were four other people that had signed up to be in this room. And we step in the door, and the guy's explaining to us what all we can expect. We step in the door, and, and sometimes it's a little dark. You know, they make it challenging. And we step in the first room of this escape room. And you cannot fit more than eight people in this room. And you got to look around for clues and stuff. And I'm standing at the back. And the only way I can look around for clues is to go like this. And finally, we got, we got the door open and got out of there. But we got to the end of this thing. And we were moving left and right. People were figuring out this goes here, that goes there. And this opens this lock. And... This is the key that opens that door. And we're moving. And we get to the very last obstacle. The very last thing. And it's going to unlock the door that lets us out of this place. We've been in here for 55 minutes. You get an hour. If you, if you don't get out in 60 minutes, the game's over. And we get to this last challenge. And we're all running around this room like our heads cut off trying to figure out what it is that's going to open this door. And everybody's getting flustered, you know. And we don't know these people. They don't know us. You know, I don't know if they're going to lose their mind or what. And uh, the timer goes off. And that's it. But for a while there, it was really frustrating. And essentially what it is, is a set of trials till you get to the very end. And the door opens and you're let out. You know what life is? I'm going to tell you what life is. It's a set of trials that you deal with until Amen. one day God unlocks the door to heaven and he says it's yes. over. Amen. You don't have to deal with it anymore. That's it. You're not going to experience another trial. 
You know what's interesting about that room is that if you ever get to a point where you're stuck and you can't figure out what to do, they have cameras in there to make sure everybody's all right. You look up at the camera and you say, we want a clue. You only get three of them and we were out by that time. And they'll give you a clue to the next step. You know, that's what really what God can do for us through every trial that we go through. You don't have to do it all on your own. There's a lot of people that are satisfied with never going to God for any of their problems. But their life's going to be a lot more trouble because of that. At some point, you've got to make the decision that God's going to help me through all this if I'll turn to Him. Amen. And so we face these storms. It's suffering. Somebody said, I know this is not going to be the most encouraging quote that you've ever heard in your life. You ain't going to do jumping jacks because of this. But... I heard a quote one time that said, life, the definition of life, is how we deal with suffering. You're going to come to that at some point. You're going to deal, whether it's a family struggle, whether it's a financial struggle. There, there are so many things, but you're going to deal with it at some point. Nobody is exempt. And it's so much so that the psalmist spoke of having tears both day and night dealing with struggle and suffering. You ever notice how sometimes you can read a psalm and it's like this dude right here is about to lose his mind. He's so troubled. And then you'll go to the next one, like the next chapter, and he's like victorious and everything's wonderful. That'll show you right there that the man that was after God's own heart had troubles and ups and downs. That's right. And he dealt with some stuff. However, he also said in Psalm 34 that the Lord is near to the broken and ready to bring deliverance, help, and relief. You're going to have trouble. Life is short and it's full of trouble. But we got a God that we can call on through every minute of it. Amen. We don't have to be without. Amen. He's always there, always there, regardless of the storms we face. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Really, this is not strange. You know what happened to the very first people that ever lived? They were created. They were together. God gave them some stuff. And what's the next thing that happened? They faced a trial. We shouldn't think it's strange that we come after them and we're experiencing the same thing. Suffering, trials, troubles. It's a way of human life. Yes. It's a way of human life. And though that's sometimes hard to face, if we don't face that and realize that we've got to go to God in prayer, it'll make things a lot more difficult. Yes. These experiences are going to befall everybody. It rains on the just and the unjust, the Bible says. It don't matter how well off of God you are. If you're just, it's going to rain on you. If you're unjust, it's going to rain on you too. In other words, we all experience the same benefits of life, and we encounter the same hurts, the same troubles. Amen. The same way that everybody in this room is going to get an income tax return. The same way everybody in this room at some point in the next year is going to experience some trouble. It's just as sure as taxes. 
You're going to experience it. You're going to experience it. And you've got to have God for that. It's part of the human experience. And the mark of a person's character. You know, we talk about people that's got integrity and character. The mark of their character is not whether that person's life encounters storms. Because everybody will. You know, have you ever heard like uh, somebody who's talked about in the news or something? Oh, man, they've got character. They've just dealt with so much that's hit them. Well, I've got news everybody has. Amen. When we admire somebody in their struggle, it ought to be how they dealt with it. Right. Because I've seen people that have been hit with stuff, and it's like everything in the world hits them, and the way they reacted to it is turning away from God and everything that they've built in their relationship right. with Him. Am I going to admire them? And say they've got character for the things that they've been through. I'm sorry for them, but that's not character. I admire a person that's got character because they stuck with God no matter Amen. what. Amen. I know a really good man that said, stay with the ship. That's right. And it's amazing because that goes right with this story right here. The storms are coming and blowing. Where's Paul at? He's staying with the ship. Yes. Somebody can say, well, let's jump. You know, let's swim to safety. How we react to the storm matters, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it does. It matters. I know, I know some young men and some ladies that I grew up around. And you, you'd see them... And you would think that they would never, ever abandon this for anything. Because of the way that they live, the way that you observe them, how they live for God. You would say that's a person that is solid in their relationship with God. And when a, a storm finally hit them and the challenge came, when it was no longer just real easy living for God, they turned around and turned away from everything. And because of that, they're still going through a storm right now. They're just in circles in the storm. Yes. And they're catching more storms because they don't have a navigator to show them the way out of it. Right. It matters how we react to the storm. It's the mark of character. So, so, so what's really happening here? Now, I didn't read ahead uh, of this story because I wanted you to see this. You know, we got this moment that's just kind of iconic where this storm hits and they're in the boat, and Paul's in the boat, and the Bible says that after a long time of keeping his mouth shut, Paul and these guys are trying to get this boat steady. You know, they're dealing with this sail, and this Eurocliding is slamming into this ship, right? And Paul just kind of steps up on the side of the ship there, and he's like, look, I told you guys. I tried to tell you. This is what we should have done. But what happened before all that is really important. We know that God had destined this trip for Paul to meet with Caesar. Right. Okay, Now you need to remember that. The whole point of this trip, God has ordained it so that Paul would come face to face with Caesar himself. And Paul and certain other prisoners were loaded onto a ship that was bound for Rome, where Caesar was. This is where they're going. And Paul sensed a danger 
in the voyage. We don't know how he sensed it. We don't know if it was just the gifts of the Spirit working and, and God had given him wisdom and all of a sudden it was, it was known in his mind. God placed in his mind, you're about to endure some trouble and you need to beware. But Paul sensed the danger that was ahead of this ship and he warned the Roman officer that was in charge of the detail. And the scriptures don't tell us what prompted that, but it, it's, I think it's safe to assume from our vantage point, the Holy Ghost was guiding Paul in his spirit right. because God had destined him to meet with Caesar. It's possible that his sense about the troubles were maybe maybe had to do with his past experiences sailing. This wasn't the first time Paul had been caught in a storm around this time of year, or possibly uh, it was just an urge. It was an urge because back then it was not uncommon for people to just sail every month, you know. And they had they had senses. They knew when something was coming. But most likely, Paul was sensing the Holy Ghost telling him this. You need to be careful. And in any case, Paul was compelled all of a sudden to urge some caution and he communicated it to them. I'm telling you guys, I know you're in charge of this ship, but you need to listen to me. And the officer did not take Paul's advice. And instead, he took the advice of the owner of the ship over Paul's. And they set sail into waters that were destined to become troubled seas because somebody did not listen to the man of God. I just want to say this morning that I thank God for a man of God that'll preach the way we're supposed to go Amen. in no uncertain terms. And that way when the storm hits, I don't have to listen to Joe down the street on what he says I need to do. A man of God who's led of the Spirit has already said, Amen. this is the way we're going. Yes. Well, hallelujah. That's right. When somebody's full of the Holy Ghost, their advice in that moment is better than the biggest banker's financial advice. It's better then uh, evidently the best nature navigator's advice. Right. It's better than the best life coach. Amen. Oh my God. What was that? He's, he's preaching with me. Amen. I hear a lot of preachers today that instead of just, you know, saying, well, I'm pastor such and such or you know, evangelist or something that, well, I'm a life coach. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. I think you need some coaching. Yes, amen. Amen. We don't, we don't, you know, that's all well and good, you know. I, I don't know what all that entails, I guess, but... The only coaching I need is from God. That's right. Amen. And, and he'll coach me in the direction I need to go. Yeah. And he's ordained a man of God who don't claim to be a life coach. He don't claim to be something that's, you know, of this world or something like that. He's just preaching the message God gave him. 
And he's trying to get in tune with the Holy Ghost. And, and I ought to follow what he says. Amen. Amen. And you know what? It's not just a pastor. If somebody is full of the Holy Ghost, if they're used in the gifts of the Spirit, if they prophesy to you and you feel the Holy Ghost in that, you ought to believe and obey. Amen. That's right. Their advice in that moment is so much more important than anybody else's that could give you advice. I'm talking more than a family member. I'm being very serious right now. When somebody yes. is full of the Holy Ghost and they begin to speak to you, or rather God speaks through them to you, it's time to turn our ears up and listen. These yes. men knew who Paul was. They were not ignorant. Everybody knew who Paul was. This is a man that's full of the Spirit. He's got authority of God in his life. And I'm going to tell you right now, if he tells me to turn this boat around, I'm going to do it about as quick as I can. Right. Isn't there a scripture that says something like, many have made shipwreck? Amen. I don't want to make shipwreck because I have turned away from the navigation of the Holy Spirit in my life. The Holy Spirit was working through Paul telling him where to go, telling him what we need to do. And when the Spirit speaks to us, specifically to us or through other people, we ought to open our ears and listen yes. to what thus saith the Lord. God's been speaking in this church. Yes, yes. Amen. God's been yes. speaking in this church. And it's not just on a monthly basis. It's getting perked near an every service basis. Yeah. That God is speaking here and there in different places in our church. Amen. And, and we're not taking the advice of just anybody. We're taking the advice of God when he speaks. Amen. Amen. As surely as this ship was headed for Rome, was it was destined. There wasn't no getting out of it now. It was headed for turbulent seas. As sure as that, our life is going to encounter some turbulence. We're going we're gonna to experience some. We've got to deal with suffering and hurts and troubles. Nobody is exempt from life disappointments. Anybody ever had a disappointment? Yes, sir. Anybody ever had a disappointment? You ought to wave your hand if you had a disappointment. If, you, if you're not waving your hand, God bless you. I want to meet you when the service is over. So I'll never be disappointed again. Praise God. Amen. As a matter of fact, i got a bridge I want to set. Amen. Everybody deals with disappointments and struggles and suffering. Losses of friends, losses of loved ones, decisions made by people that are close to us that disappoint us. I'm sure even right now there's some that's rolling through your mind. Why, why is that? Why do we deal with these things? If it's God that's made all this and He's made us, why do we deal with these things? It's because we are mortal people and sin is in this world. Amen. And because of that, even if you don't sin for the rest of your life, you're going to deal with struggle. You're going to deal with some type of trouble. And those we perceive to be good people suffer the same as those we perceive to be evil or bad people. It rains on everybody. All individuals endure it. And there's more will endure to come, and we often will un, will we'll sense unfairness, and and will think I'm dealing with so much more than everybody else is. I'm dealing with so much more, and you know, every once in a while, 
you'll read a news story or something about a person who's got this illness that they'll never be able to walk again or they'll, they'll never be able to do this or that. You know, there's always somebody who's probably dealing with more than you are. Amen. There's probably somebody. Probably. You know, when it gets all the way down to it, you get away from the financial problems and, and your work problems and family problems. Remove all that. When it gets down to it and it's just your body, you can live a much rougher life, perhaps, than some people compared to what they're dealing with in their body. When it just gets down to the bare minimum of life. Your quality of life. But you know what? Jesus experienced all the suffering on his back. There is nothing that you could come to him with. No trouble, no struggle, no trial that you could come to him with today that he would not completely understand. That's right. Because he's already carried it on his back. What a friend we have in Jesus. Yes. Amen. 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 In the middle of all that trouble, however, what we cannot see, what we can't see today, is what God is accomplishing through it all, through every bit of it. You ever think about the fact, you know, God is not, He's not up there like going through a stack of paper and every bit of it's a different trouble and sickness and trial. And he's not like making paper airplanes and throwing them at different people. He's not doing that. He's not like having fun thinking, well, you know, I, I think Brother Wayne, Brother Wayne deserves jury duty. Yeah. You know, he's not doing that. He's not just having fun passing out struggle and trouble. But I will tell you this. God designed sometimes for us to go through things in order to yeah. make us stronger and to bring us closer to Him. Amen. And there's some things maybe that you're going through right now that you've not even got a revelation of or understood that God is ordaining all of this for me to get closer to Him. Or for me to be stronger in my Holy Ghost. Mm. It don't look like it right now. It don't feel like it. But you know what? The ultimate example of all this is is a guy named Job who lost it all, but after it was over, he got back a far bigger portion. Maybe that's what God is designing for you. It's all part of a design. God's designed struggle for us, and we're going to deal with it. Do you know that when uh, one, one of the biggest things, the, the biggest largest amount of substance in the earth. Of course, there's water. But other than that, it's sand. There's an enormous, enormous amount of sand on our earth. And it's all over the bottom of the ocean. We think of sand, we think of the beach. But it's all over the bottom of the ocean. Just tons and tons and tons of it. You know what's interesting about sand is that it lives a pretty dull life, right? I mean, Every once in a while, there's going to be a fish come by and just slap it in a direction. The sand's going to go flying off this way, and it'll settle again for the next 100 years, you know. And a pretty dull life for the most part. But every once in a great while, 
something really amazing happens in the life of a piece of sand. It will slip into the shell of an oyster, not trying to, not saying, oh, there's an oyster over there, I think I'll just jump into that. It's just by chance, a piece of sand ends up in an oyster. And over the span of sometimes up to 30 years, this piece of sand has gotten into this oyster, and what's happened is there's been an irritation. There's been an invader that's come into this oyster that shouldn't be there, wasn't supposed to be. Oyster didn't take it in on purpose. And there's a struggle for a long period of time. And how this oyster responds to that is it applies a layer on top of the piece of sand. And that layer is called nacre. And it's an odd substance. It's really slippery like. And it applies it to this piece of sand. And over sometimes up to 30 years, sometimes it's 15 years, it'll apply every day a layer of nacre to that piece of sand until one day somebody opens up this oyster and they don't find a piece of sand. They find a pearl. And what was once something that was totally unimportant, didn't have any use, people don't pay a high price for a small piece of sand. Now all of a sudden there's something that's beautiful. It's a pearl. They'll pay high dollar for it. They'll decorate things with it. People wear it as jewelry and it's sold in shops all around the nation. A piece of sand that didn't have any importance. And you know what God does? He finds those people that are in struggle, that are experiencing irritation and trials, and He begins to apply layers of anointing over their life when they turn to Him for their struggle. And over years of anointing, after a certain amount of time of dealing with struggle and going to God and dealing with struggle and going to God, they have come out with something that is far more beautiful than they ever were before. And it's a pearl. You know what God is doing in this church? Yes. He's taking a bunch of people that are dealing with struggles in their life. There's nobody in this room that's exempt from it. He's dealing with people that have problems that they have to go through every day. They've got family that don't live the way that they live, that call them out for things, and they don't agree with them, and they're experiencing trouble. There's sickness that they've got to deal with. They don't understand why, but they go to God, and they go to God, and He applies layers, and God is creating pearls in this room. Yeah. This morning, he's applying layers of anointing over our life. Yes, Lord. And maybe what you thought was just another regular, everyday Sunday morning service, you don't understand God standing over us, pouring out the anointing, saying, Here's another layer. I'm going to make them into something special. They're not just going to be a piece of sand like every other sand in the ocean. There's people out there that are all struggling and they are living an unimportant life. 
Because they, Brother Mark, they've not submitted to the oyster. That's right. That's right. You won't become a pearl if you don't submit to the oyster. But when you take that struggle of your life, all that that you've been through, and you say, God, here I am. I'm just a piece of sand. I don't have any value in what I'm building until you apply the anointing. When he does that, all of a sudden, he looks down and he says, that's something that I value in my kingdom. Amen. That sister Betty, the anointing I've applied to her life, it's covering up everything that she's dealing with. She's valuable to me. And I'm preparing a place for her. Amen. 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 I'm preparing a place for her. God is pouring out anointing over this congregation. I said God is pouring out anointing over this congregation. And I just really feel like here lately, He's up the steady stream of it a little yeah. bit. Amen. He's reached for a bigger pitcher of anointing that he's pouring out. And I want to stand under it. Yeah. And receive all that I can. Amen. Amen. God's forming pearls out of people here today by his Holy Ghost. Amen. And we experience those storms, but he's ever present. He's ever present. He's always here. He's not changed. He's not moved. Amen. God was with Paul. Now, if you don't think Paul ever went through anything, you think, well, Paul, you know, he just, he was full-time ministry. And, you know, he just roamed about sharing the gospel. He didn't really work a job. Didn't really have family around. He, boy, he had it made. Okay. If you don't think that, then I want you to listen very closely to the words he's about to speak to us this morning. He said, I in labors more abundant." In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. What we just read was just one time. A night and a day I have been in the deep. I don't even know what that means. That don't sound good. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils by the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hungers and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches." So what he says then is, I went through all that, and then i got to go help people that are going through other things. i got to go through all that. You don't think Paul ever went through anything. Let me tell you, man. Ain't nobody in this room ever been stoned, I don't think. That's just one of the things. I had never been in shipwreck. Anybody know what in the deep means? Anybody ever been in the deep? Lord. But you know what? He ends all that. And all that strangeness that he's lived. All those troubles and trials. You know how he ends it? 
he ends it with a resounding statement. But God was with me. Through it all, God was with me. In the perils in the wilderness, he was still with me like he was in the perils in the waters. Amen. Amen. In the deep, he's still with me. And he never changes. Yes, we've got afflictions. Yes, I'm going to deal with sickness. Yes, I'm going to deal with all kinds of problems. But guess what? I got the Holy Ghost. That's right. And God is still with me yes. through every bit of it. You realize that this church alone has dealt with all kinds of trouble? Amen. There's some in this room that don't even, wasn't here to remember it. But the building that stood right here burned down, and everybody watched it burn. Stood outside. I remember Sister Shelton, Brother Shelton, and I think Dana was there in, our, in, in the house over there, and everybody just bawled. So much history. So many people baptized. So many moves of God in this building. And we had to endure a night where we watched it burn to the ground. Labor on this building. Years of upkeep and care and love for that building. And it burned to the ground. And then we move to another building. And that building burns to the ground. And all of a sudden people get a little bit afraid when we talk about Holy Ghost fire. Amen. And now... I assure you, we got fire extinguishers in this building, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. And then we got a day where we endure our little flood in here. And we got a pipe bust. And we got to get the, the uh, restor restoration people in here to try to salvage all of them. God bless us there. And we've dealt with all that. That's just a portion of the struggles that we've had to deal with. But you know what? God's turned it around. And he said, I have destined this place. You're destined to go see Caesar. You're destined to go see Caesar. That's my divine plan for you. And God says, this church is destined for revival in this city. Amen. And the storm is coming. And Paul stands there before those men who don't know what to do with what they've been handed. They've thrown stuff away to make this ship lighter to be able to live. And Paul stands up and he says, you don't understand. An angel of the Lord has visited me this day. And he told me that you men are not even a part of me going to see Caesar. But God wants me to go see Caesar so much he's going to save you too. That's right. That's how much God is going to protect somebody who's in His will and His plan. And so if He has destined us for revival, Sister Emma, if that's the destination for this church beyond everything else, God's going to take care of us. Amen. You can send all the storms that's out there if we are destined to go see Caesar. God's going to make sure it's so. And beyond that as a church, if you've got struggles in your life, if you're dealing with something personally that maybe nobody else in this room even wonders about, even knows what's going on, you're part of this ship that's headed to revival. Amen. And God wants to stop that storm in your life too. Yes. I don't know what it is you're dealing with today. 
I don't know what it is that is the, the ultimate suffering in your life, but I know this. If you'll just say, I'm a grain sand. And there's not much importance, there's not much value in my life, but if I can get a layer of the Holy Ghost today. Amen. If I can step under that spout and let God pour it out of my life. Every struggle and every trouble and every trial doesn't even come close to the power of that anointing. That'll roll over you. It'll cover the imperfections. It'll cover. It'll cover the problems that you deal with. And make no mistake, this morning, hear me today. God will do it. He will do it. He will do it because we are headed for revival. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Praise God. Praise God. And this is what I feel. There is some struggle in this room that God's getting ready to pour out of his anointing. And he's going to cover that up. Amen. There is a balm in Gilead today. Amen. There is something that's out there that will relieve your, strength, your, your, your struggle and your trial. If you're open to it. Amen. Can we stand this morning? Amen. Amen. I want to read a scripture to you and then we're going to pray. I feel this pertinent today. This scripture that I'm about to read to you was a part of this lesson, but before I even got into this lesson, there's a young man that I know that's going through the struggle of his life. And God gave me this scripture to tell him one day, and I'm going to read it to you. If you're going through struggle today, this is for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. You ought to let this just touch your spirit today. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us more exceeding, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That thing that you're dealing with today that problem that you've dealt with for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, God wants to turn that around for an exceeding, eternal weight of glory. There ain't going to be a pearl without a piece of sand that experiences trouble. There's got to be trouble first. Life is short, full of trouble. But if you'll take that small life and say, God, pour out your anointing. Pour out your anointing. Don't spare any of it today. Pour out your anointing on me, Lord. Let it cover the areas that I feel like are good and the areas that I feel like are bad. Let it cover every inch of me. I want you to know today that this church... We're not a church that's leaving people behind. Okay? This is a church family. And if you deal with struggle today, if you deal with struggle, there's going to be somebody that comes alongside you. At least I hope and pray to God that's going to say, I'll pray with you, sister. I'll pray with you, brother. This is a ship that we're on together. 
Maybe you're not as far along in your relationship with God as Paul. Maybe you're just one of the soldiers on the ship. You don't understand everything that's going on in here just yet. That's okay. God's not going to take away the anointing from you. He'll pour it out on you. Yes. But first, and, and I just feel like this is this is the core of it, Brother March. We have to submit to the oyster. We've yes. got to submit to God. You cannot, you cannot say, God, I'm going to give you this piece of my life, but I'm going to hold back all this from your anointing. God, I submit every bit of myself. Let it flow down on me, God. Let the anointing flow into the dry areas that have not been touched by the water of the Spirit in a long time. Right. Let it touch the dry spots, the weary spots, and the places that maybe I don't even think need to be touched. Let it flow over me. I wish you'd lift your hands toward heaven right now. Come on, reach out to God.